Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Oh, no. Oh, no. The storm is coming. Well, we got six inches of snow on the way, that storm. But the storm of South Carolina is coming for Nikki Haley. Yeah, it turns out Nikki Haley is going to be heading right into Trump country. You know, the state that she used to be governor of. It may not end well for her in her own home state. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Yeah, tomorrow we're supposed to get up to, I don't know, six inches of snow or so, they're saying, for our region. We will uh, we will check. We'll follow that for updates. The French toast industrial complex having us all scared. Uh, but for Nikki Haley, the uh, the storm that's brewing in her home state of South Carolina, not not good. She's heading right into Trump country after New Hampshire. Nikki Haley has a South Carolina problem. Our home state is Trump country. Former president has a big advantage thanks to his popularity in the state. This is from the Wall Street Journal, which has actually been very favorable to Nikki Haley. But they point out that Nikki Haley's long shot strategy to win the Republican presidential nomination is to pull off an upset in New Hampshire next week over Donald Trump, then beat him again in her home state of South Carolina a month later. But she has a problem. South Carolina is Trump country. Haley, who turns 52 years old on Saturday, grew up in the small city of Bamberg, South Carolina, went to Clemson University, spent most of her political career in the Palmetto State, serving as its popular governor, they write, from 2011 to 2017. Despite Haley's deep personal ties and political legacy, Trump has been considered the frontrunner in South Carolina for months, and Haley lags behind him by about 30 points. In her home state of South Carolina. Now, those polls were taken before the GOP field narrowed following the Iowa caucus. Surveys show Trump with about 50% or more support of those polled, while Haley attracts about 20%. DeSantis has polled in the low teens or lower. So he's doing slightly better than he's doing in South Carolina. Um, according to the internet, and, and uh, you never know how accurate this is, but According to the Internet, he's uh, laid off a lot of people on his campaign team, which is not surprising. 
but maybe he'll do the smart thing and, and he'll endorse Trump prior to New Hampshire versus going down as the guy who got slaughtered in New Hampshire. And then and then goes on to what? I lose South Carolina, come in third in South Carolina as well, because you're not going to you're not going to beat Nikki Haley in South Carolina. You're going to come in third place again. So I don't know. DeSantis has no road here. The only road is out. Get out and endorse Trump and don't even bother in New Hampshire. Seriously, don't. Don't even bother because it's just going to be a disaster. I mean, it's looking really bad. South Carolina likes Nikki Haley, but South Carolina loves Donald Trump, said Republican Representative Nancy Mace, who hasn't endorsed a candidate. And she was highly critical of Trump in the past, but she has since said she would consider backing the former president in the primary. Trump is looking to quickly lock up the nomination after his win in Iowa. Well, he has locked up the nomination. He just doesn't have the delegates yet, but it's all locked up. I mean, you know. Now, they're still hoping and praying that they can get him out of the race somehow, either by the 14th Amendment or he'll be in prison. Maybe they'll sentence him to death, carry out the execution prior to his inauguration. I don't, I don't know. But they're still hoping for something, something they can do. And uh, this is the problem for the other candidates right now. He's looking to quickly lock up the nomination after his win in Iowa when DeSantis came in a distant second, followed by Haley in third. Haley would need to win or come very close in New Hampshire, which is Tuesday. I mean, think about that. We're only it's today's Thursday. That's Tuesday. It's only a few days away. And then she has to score a convincing win on, on her home turf in South Carolina, February 24th. So she's got time. But in that time period, you got to think about this now. If you're the former governor of the state. I think you're you're kind of capped out here. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not an unknown quantity. They know you. And if you're at whatever it is, 20 percent, 30 percent, whatever, you're not going to go much higher than that. They already know you. You know, it's like getting together with an ex. I mean, you already you know what to expect, right? I mean, it's not much going to be different this time around. It's sort of the same. She's going back to the state she was governor of. And opinions are formed. And it's still Trump country. And it's not like she's going to get there and start campaigning in South Carolina. People are going to be like, oh, who's this Nikki Haley? Oh, she's fresh. I haven't heard this before. This is, this is, this is a new conservative leader. No, she was your governor for eight years. So either you, you like her or you don't. And either you like her enough to you know, support Trump more than her or, or you don't. I mean, it's not, it's not it's not that hard, right? It's not that complicated to figure this out. And I think I think for her, the big problem, too, is that the expectations for New Hampshire right now, because the media wants her to win, she's the darling of the corporate media, are so high that unless she comes really, really close to second place, you know, if she, if she can't come super duper, really double secret probation close to Trump in New Hampshire, that's going to hurt her even more in South Carolina. There's no pathway for any of these people at this point. The only pathway for Nikki Haley, as I've told you before, is that they keep her in the race, try to get her to the convention. They hope something changes. Some externality happens with Trump, in which case then uh, they are forced to turn to somebody else. That's what they're hoping for. But it's interesting, though, how I tell you how the, uh, the media loves to pick their, their establishment favorites and they love their reasonable Republicans until they don't. Now, the corporate media and the no labels crowd and all these other people, they love the reasonable Republicans until they get the nomination. And I, but you can't see this because it's radio, but I'm using air quotes for reasonable. Unlike Fox News today when I was on it, which was television. 
But this is radio, so you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes around reasonable. So you think about John McCain. He was the reasonable Republican. They liked him in 2000 against George Bush. You think about uh, Mitt Romney, the reasonable Republican. Then they get the nomination and they're Satan. They're the walking incarnation of they get compared to Hitler. They the same. It's the same playbook all the time. It, it doesn't change in the general election. And I think part of the reason why they do that is because they know that vanilla. Vanilla Republican candidates just don't win, because if you're too much like French vanilla, I should say French vanilla Republican candidates and people are going to pick vanilla because. Why, why go French vanilla when you can just go vanilla vanilla? So in, in other words, if, if, you're, if your appeal here is to try to win over people because of your so-called moderate perspectives, but then they, the Democrat offers much of the same. That's why, they don't, that's why the conservative is never the darling of the mainstream media, the corporate media, or the no-labels crowd. It's for that reason, really, honestly, truly. Now, a Haley spokeswoman said that Haley won the governor's mansion as the, the Tea Party anti-establishment candidate, and then she built a conservative record as a state's chief executive. And now this will come back and bite her in the general election. This is what the, they will all use against her. She said Haley signed restrictive abortion legislation and cracked down on illegal immigration as governor. So everything that they're saying now to try to help her win the primary in her own state of South Carolina, which she's not going to do, that's all the stuff the corporate media is going to throw at her in November if she were to become the, 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 the candidate. October, September, October, you know. If she were to become the nominee, that's the kind of stuff that the corporate media would throw at her. And be like, listen, she's no moderate. She's evil. That's what I mean. You can't buy this whole argument that some people are spewing on television, which is that she's, a, she's the only electable choice for the Republicans. This, the very same things... That she's now trying to, to use as her talking points for why conservatives should back her in the primary are exactly what the attack ads are going to be in the general. You don't think so? Come on, you know so. That's what they do. That's how, that's how this works. Uh, Haley, run by, Haley won by roughly 4.5 percentage points for her first race for governor in 2010 and 14.5 percentage points for her reelection in 2014. Representative Ralph Norman, one of the most prominent Republican elected officials in South Carolina to endorse Haley, said he expected her to campaign hard in her home state and ultimately do well. He said the race now is between Haley and Trump. And he says Nikki has always come through. But Trump, who carried South Carolina in the last competitive Republican primary in 2016, has far more top endorsements in the state, including the governor, Henry McMaster, a Republican, a very popular Republican. It was great during COVID, by the way. I know that from Mama Zioli because Mama Zioli and Papa Zioli were down in South Carolina for most of COVID. And uh, they were very pleased with how Henry McMaster, McMaster handled things in the state because he kept the state open. He opened it much sooner than other governors did, and then he kept it open. I think it's a Trump state, said Senator Lindsey Graham, who has endorsed Trump. The state's other senator, Tim Scott, who was briefly a Republican candidate for president, hasn't endorsed the candidate, but he's been lobbied by all the remaining candidates, according to a person familiar with the matter. I think that if uh, Tim Scott is a smart man, which I know he is, and if he is on the VP shortlist, which we've all heard that possibility, and no one knows for sure, no one, but it would be wise of him to endorse Trump prior to South Carolina. Because to endorse Trump after he wins South Carolina, is uh, it's a moot point at that point. So for Tim Scott as a smart guy, he should do it now. 
I mean, look, anybody who wants to potentially be on the ticket or anybody who wants to be in the cabinet or anybody who wants to be close to the candidate as this race unfolds, now's your chance. If you do it after he's already been essentially now coronated, at that point, it's like, oh, gee, thanks. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your endorsement. It's, it's helped so much. It really has. 75% of Republicans are satisfied with Trump as the nominee. 75%. It's a lot. It's enough. It's more than enough. The other 25% will prefer somebody else, but they'll come back. Most of them will anyway. Some allies have urged DeSantis to drop out because he's expected to do poorly in New Hampshire and South Carolina. But so far, he has resisted those calls. The primary in his home state of Florida isn't until March 19th. And Trump has a big lead in Florida as well. Now, DeSantis is winning the DeSantis vote within his own house. He is leading that race. But beyond that, he's losing in every other state. He's trailing Trump in every other state, even in California. I mean, everywhere. So what do you do? What are you doing, man? Where's your pathway here? So let's look at, let's think about this now. Let's break down some numbers real quick as we look at the real clear politics average of polling. And again, I tell you all the time, polls are BS in general elections. And the reason why is because most people will lie to pollsters, but Republicans don't. And not, in, not when it comes to the primary. They're very proud of their, of their candidate choices. They are uh, very proud of who they're backing. That's why you see people wear, wearing MAGA hats and that sort of thing. Republican primary voters are different than general election voters. So the people that are going to come out in the New Hampshire Republican presidential primary are a different breed than necessarily the people that are going to come out in the New Hampshire general election. So it's different. So when a pollster calls up and says, hey, wondering who you're backing in New Hampshire. Oh, I'm backing Trump. In fact, they're excited to tell the pollster that. Versus the candidate, versus the person in the general election who's voting Trump but doesn't want anyone to know. In which case, then they lie to the pollster and they go, yeah, I'm backing Biden because you have my address and my phone number. And then all of a sudden there's an upset and you go, oh, the polls were wrong. Well, that's the reason why people don't lie in primaries and they don't lie when they're asked specifically about issues. That's why when you see a poll that's a general election poll and they uh, it, it shows Biden winning. But then when you ask when the voters are asked all the questions, it's very obvious who they're really voting for. It's like, do you think, are you happy with immigration? No. Are you happy with the economy? No. Are you happy with the Middle East? No. Are you happy with the Ukraine war? No. Are you happy with anything? No. Were you better off four years ago? Yes. But you're voting Biden? Um, yeah. You go, I'm calling BS on that. I think I'm calling BS. So the latest poll, which has come out uh, today, the 2024 New Hampshire Republican presidential primary vote, this one by St. Ansem. Ansem? Has uh, Trump up 14. The bad news, though, for DeSantis is he's still only at 6%. The Boston Globe Suffolk poll has uh, Trump up 14 as well. DeSantis is at 6. So he's not even, even with even with Christie out of the race, even with um, Vivek Ramaswamy out, he, DeSantis is still not climbing over 10%. It's not, it's not looking good. Not looking good. At all. I mean, not even close. And in the Republican primary, another poll came out today by Emerson. Trump's up 52. And DeSantis is in third place there as well. So where do you expect to win besides your living room? I mean, honestly, I, really, besides, you know, your wife and kids. I mean, where, where do you expect to win? Because at some point, if you, can't, if you can't actually turn around and go, well, I, I, there is a pathway, and here's the pathway how we get here. We, we, we go through this state, we maneuver this with this chessboard, and that point is... If you don't have it, you just 
It's not going to be there. So, look, I, 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 I'm telling you right now, you know, at some point, Ron DeSantis has to realize that his only shot here is to help Trump win New Hampshire. Because Trump's going to win New Hampshire, and, <laughs> and he doesn't have to give DeSantis credit for any of it. None of it. But if he drops out now, and he backs Trump, and Trump beats Nikki Haley decisively, then the race is over, and DeSantis can help take credit for that. Really, because at that point, then, he goes to South Carolina. He's already, he's already, Trump's already beating Haley big time in her own state. If he wins New Hampshire commandingly, convincingly, it's only going to help him. If, if DeSantis stays in, and if he pulls even 5 6% away from Trump, because presumably those voters are going to be Trump voters, if they're, if they, if, if they're not going to be Trump voters at this point, they would have already left him, I think, and gone to Nikki Haley at this point. So I think they go to Trump. If it's close in New Hampshire, and he stays in and comes in a distant third and throws his support to Trump that night, he'll be remembered as a guy who came in third, got slaughtered in New Hampshire, and then made it a competitive race going into Nikki Haley's home state. A more competitive race. Made it into a more competitive race because then she'll have the headwinds of going in there and saying, hey, look, I came in second. I came in at a close second. I don't think she wins, but she may come close because of the fact that New Hampshire is an open primary because these random Democrats are just randomly voting for random people. By the way, Doug Burgum is on Fox News right now. The VP speculation swirling. It won't be Doug Burgum, but nevertheless, there was a story that Doug Burgum is going to play a big role in Trump's world. He'll probably be a cabinet secretary of some sort. That's what I mean. I mean, Trump's a, Trump's a loyal guy. Burgum was smart to endorse him. The, uh, Prior to Iowa, I don't think Bergham really brought much to the table, and I think Trump was going to win in Iowa, but it's more about the point. Timing in politics is everything. You know, it's everything. For Vivek Ramaswamy to realize the night of the Iowa caucus, I'm backing Trump, it's good timing. At this point, Ron DeSantis, the timing issue is what is the only question for him. And if he keeps waiting and he's tweeting, you know, I've been, I, people have counted me out before, don't count me out, blah, 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 blah. If, if he keeps saying, I, look, you can say all these things. And, and, and maybe in a different world, that, that, would, oh, that would be fine. But these polls are not wrong because Trump voters are proud to tell pollsters that they're backing Trump. They're not hiding from that fact. They're very, very happy to tell pollsters that. These polls, if anything, are probably undercounting Trump's support. Just by virtue of the fact that you can't reach all these different voters. I mean, you're, you're talking about a sample. Polling is based on a statistical sample. And when you look at trends like that, such a massive lead, the only conclusion you can reach from looking at a primary is that it's probably not capturing the full scope of the support, actually. It's probably even bigger than that. See, I think Trump wins New Hampshire decisively. But Nikki Haley comes in second. But I don't think it's going to be close. But how close it is will depend upon Ron DeSantis in a big way. And he can frame the narrative to the Trump people. Listen, I'm the reason why it wasn't close. I'm the reason why he was able to put her down in New Hampshire and then go to South Carolina and gain more headwinds and not allow her to gain headwinds, not allow Nikki to go to South Carolina and gain headwinds. That's the message that he has. And if he can give that message, and if the Trump people can recognize the role that he's playing here, then he's got a shot at a future. 
And look, I, you know, somebody made the comment yesterday about, well, Rich, you're undercounting Trump's vice presidential pick. That person may be the front runner in 2028. Yeah, maybe or maybe not, because Mike Pence certainly wasn't. A billion things can happen between now and then. All you can do, the only thing you can do, the only thing that's in your power is to control what is in your immediate future. What, that's it. That's all you can do. And if you're Ron DeSantis, the only thing you can do at this point is to think about how you can save yourself for 2028. Now, a billion things can happen between now and then. We could all die from a new COVID disease that they're testing out in mice or whatever the hell that story was yesterday. We could all be in prison. We could all, I mean, who knows? You get hit by a bus. It, we don't know. But you make your predictions based on the information you have at the time in front of you. So for Ron DeSantis, it's not, he shouldn't sit back and go, you know what? I'm going to stay in this race as long because it doesn't matter because whoever Trump's VP is, that person will be the Republican frontrunner in 2028 regardless. Well, that's a stupid thing to, to think because Trump's VP might two years into it become a total disaster, may, may, may not want to run. May, may decide the job's not for him or her. Who knows? So make your make your decisions based on the information you have at hand at, at this moment. Not what you think may be in the future four years from now. You got to think about what you can do in this moment that will help you in four years. Assuming that factors are favorable to you and they may not be. Who knows? All I know is that if. This continues for him. He'll go into 2028 being the guy who got slaughtered in New Hampshire and help Nikki Haley um, gain headwinds going to South Carolina. He may help, help. He may elevate Nikki Haley as the front runner in 2028 if he's not careful. So he's got to real, really make a decision here. 855-839-1210. That is the big story of the day today brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Just go to VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. He's my friend. He is the master of dental implants. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. We got a lot on the WEF. Oh, yes. The evil Bond villains at the WEF have more plans to control every aspect of your future. I'll tell you all about it. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 
the Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. A little while ago, you were told that the uh, story about a Chinese biolab in California was a conspiracy theory. Well, the CDC is actually right now decontaminating that lab as we speak. Um, but that's what happened. You know, at the time that the story came out, they said, oh, there's this there's this Chinese bio lab in California. And people are like, another, another wha- wacky conspiracy theory, huh? Another wacky one. Well, it's not wacky. It's true. And that's what's happening as we speak. This guy who owned this lab, too, and all the kind of stuff they're finding in it, like uh, all kinds of diseases and everything else. Really, really bad stuff. Like Ebola's there and all kinds of things. But it's in California. And the only reason why it was discovered was because of a code enforcement officer who happened to just go in there and um, checked it out. You know, just saw it and just kind of looked around. And her name is uh, Jessalyn Harper. She disco- she discovered this. It's a remarkable story. It really is. She's like a, like a hose was sticking out or something like this. And a local official and then was the the discovery of a of a secret china run lab in california where they have really dangerous stuff there yeah and you you turn around and you go i don't i don't understand how how is this how does this like how does this happen you know in the united states of america well it happens because there are um bad people out there who do bad things and these bad people will never cease to try to take advantage of things and there are bad people that will buy bad things like viruses and things like that in the world market. In fact, you should read uh, the new book, The Year of the Locust by Terry Hayes, which, reminder to you, our event together is February 7th. Get your tickets now by going to 1210WPHU.com. It's a speaker night with me and number one global best-selling author Terry Hayes at Rosemont College, February 7th at 7 p.m. Just go to 1210WPHU.com. Get your tickets today. Oh, and by the way, at the WEF, the World Economic Forum, they're begging you, begging you, please trust the science. Trust the science. You know, you've been burned before by the people who told you to trust the science, but you're supposed to ignore all that and trust the science anyway. All right. Trust the science anyway. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting is underway in Davos, Switzerland. Robbie Suave at Reason pointing out last year, disinformation stole the spotlight and was featured as a key problem for global elites to address. This year, the WEF has upped the ante, releasing a report that lists misinformation and disinformation as the number one short term risk facing the world, beating out interstate armed conflict, climate change and lack of economic opportunity. One of the first events at this year's meeting of the WEF was a panel discussion entitled Liberating Science. Oh, that sounds fun. Liberating Science, which largely focused on disinformation as it relates to the climate change agenda. Now, a few short clips from the session went viral on social media. We'll play some of those for you. I played you one yesterday from Naomi Oreskes. She's a historian of science at Harvard University. Uh, Luciana Vaccaro, a Swiss scientist who objected to the increased toxicity of Twitter ever since Elon Musk got there. Vaccaro said that a fundamental issue with uh, X, that is a site formerly known as Twitter, was the policy of the owner, which is problematic because, oh, he allows free of expression, freedom of expression on the platform. 
Now, short video clips, of course, can be misleading. So Robbie Suave took the time to watch all of the WEF discussion. He watched all of it. Now, that guy has more time on his hands than I do. Free time on his hands. Because I don't have that kind of time. I have three kids, one of whom is sick right now. Reagan's sick again. Now she's at that age now where, you know, you start to go into preschool and you just, you get everything and you hang around other little kids who have everything and they get everything and just the nature of the beast. It's normal. This is how kids build up their immune system. It's healthy. It's good for you. It's good for the kids to build up their immune system. But between that and my Fox News interviews, which I don't know if I mentioned I was on Fox News this morning. (laughs) That's twice today. And you can count how many times throughout the show that I mention it, but that's two mentions. Henry asked me before the show if I would mention it. So I have now mentioned it twice. Two drinks if you're playing the Zioli drinking game. Oh, your liver's going to thank me. Oh, tomorrow's going to be a snow day, so we can drink uh, during the show. What? How is that? I don't see the correlation. It's the snow day exception to the sobriety rule under the FCC. <laughs> no, so I was on Fox News. Three. Drink. America's Newsroom uh, with my buddy Dana Perino, and I, I texted her to say thank you, and she wrote back and said, you're a crowd favorite. Well, thank you, Dana. Very kind of you. I appreciate you saying that. And you know, the plastic surgery that I've had is really paying off. But I did notice I've got some (laughs) frown lines I got to deal with. Maybe I'll get some Botox. Just for frown lines? Yeah. Maybe I need more makeup. I don't know. I mean, one of the shots, it looked like I was frowning. I wasn't frowning, but I have have wrinkles by my mouth. You know what I mean? (laughs) Can you cancel those out with just like a half smirk? I don't know. I got I to gotta talk to my dermatologist about this, Dr. Doctor Green, if he's listening. Maybe he can give me a little shot of the Botox, a little botulism toxin. It's not just for ethnic cleansing, you know. <laughs> it's also for getting out wrinkles. <laughs> that was one of the funniest Saturday Night Live skits ever, and you can't find it anymore. They, um, they used to do those commercial parodies, and I can't find it anywhere. It's canceled, but what they had it? it. What's that? What is it? Well, I'm, I'm explaining it. So it's okay. a, it was a parody commercial that they did about Botox and you see the the Botox which is a very popular thing that women use for and some men like Justin Trudeau or Gavin Newsom it gets rid of wrinkles you've heard of it right Botox Henry yes I'm familiar with it so the the name of Botox is a short name you know how drugs come up with cool names all the time you see if if I was Big Pharma and I came up with an antidepressant I would just call it happy that'd be the name of my drug happy you know but it's, it's like they come up with all these weird names for drugs anyway botox is short for botulism toxin which is a just a very very bad thing so saturday Night live had this whole thing about botox and they said botulism toxin it's not just for ethnic cleansing anymore i thought that was hysterical but you can't find that skit anywhere like i, I go on youtube i try to find it there i can't find it there it's like it's gone you know what i mean is it with Alec Baldwin? Potentially. I might have it. You might, seriously, you found it? Yeah, I, maybe. I, right, I'm, well, I'm looking well, at pre- it right now. Preview it for us, if you would. But I, I, have, I have friends who are all organic. It's funny. I have a, a couple of friends of mine, and they're super organic. You know, they, they, everything's natural. Like they won't, they won't take their kids to McDonald's or anything like that, but they'll get Botox shots. <laughs> I, just, I find that to be charming. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you, so you won't, you won't eat a, 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 a like a like chicken McNuggets, 
but you'll take a a uh, a, a like a bioweapon. You'll you'll inject a bioweapon near your eyes, close to your brain. <laughs> but but eating a fillet of fish is that's where you you know that's where you draw the line there. Not that not that anybody should ever eat a fillet of fish. Oh, I like the fillet of fish. Of course you do. I mean, I'm not getting it every single time I go to McDonald's, but I think it's respectable. Do you? Yeah, yeah it's not bad. I haven't had one of those in a long time. It's a uh, it's a go to during Lent. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I think that's why it was actually invented in the first place. Mm. Is was uh, just so that they could um, provide something to to people who weren't allowed to eat meat on Fridays. So Botox injections are shots that use a toxin to prevent a muscle from moving for a limited time. So they smooth out wrinkles. Now, I've heard you're not supposed to get it by your mouth, but I may just do it for my frown lines. You know what I mean? Oh, I got to give my, my um, the woman who cuts my hair, Jackie, she's great. I got to give her a shout out because I said to her yesterday, I got my hair cut yesterday. And I said to her, you know, Jackie, you're good luck. Every time I get my hair cut, I wind up getting called on Fox News. And the last time I got my hair cut, which was in December before Christmas, I had two Fox News hits over the Christmas break, including New Year's Day when I was still drunk. And so I said to her yesterday when I was in the chair, I said, you're my good luck charm. I bet, and I know her husband listens to the show, I bet you I get called on Fox News very soon. Sure enough, hours later, boom, I'm called up to appear on Fox News, which I did this morning. I don't know if I've mentioned that or not. Four. That's four times. (laughs) Honestly, this whole segment has basically been about your appearance on Fox News. So it, it, the the four count is actually, uh, it's me being generous. It, it could be higher. Anabotulinum toxin A. That's the name of Botox. Ana, that's like the, anabotulinomin toxin A. That sounds good. Sounds good. It's like, oh, I won't let my children eat at McDonald's. It's all the chemicals they put in there. And please don't even think about giving them Skittles. What time is my Botox shot tomorrow? Your, your what? Yes, my Botox shot. I got to get my, my shot of my omnibotulin toxin A. Put down those french fries, kids. They're bad for you. Did you find the commercial? Uh, no, not that. Yeah, that you're not, you're not going to find it. It was a different it's an Botox. Is, it, it is a hysterical joke. Botulism toxin. It's not just for ethnic cleansing anymore. I mean, that is a funny joke. It's a sick joke, but who cares? It's a funny joke. But, you know, you can't make jokes anymore today. Like, you know, I started my segment today on Fox News. <laughs> That's five. The uh, conversation was about homelessness in Philadelphia. And so Dana Perino and my friend Jennifer Stefano, who was also on the panel, and they were talking about homelessness. And so I began by saying, I really wish you would refer to them as uh, what the politically correct term is, which is the unhoused. Stop being so politically incorrect here. It's not homeless anymore. They're just the unhoused. Got it? (laughs) You people have no soul. (laughs) Where was I going with this? Uh, What'd you do this morning? (laughs) Before Fox News or after? (laughs) I think I was was going to go to that California, the Chinese lab in California, which got me into science. (laughs) My mind works here, which got me into science and trusting the science, which got us into Botox, which got us down the road of that. I've had this clip queued up for 12 and a half minutes. (laughs) All right, let's let's do this. Let me which clip do you have queued up? The the California lab lady? Yes. Yeah. The Fox News report. All right. 
Why don't we do that? We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll play the lady who discovered the Chinese bio lab. And then what I'll do is I'll tie that into the, how the people at the WEF, World Economic Forum, all want us to trust the science and how we're all supposed to bend over and be um, loyal to the science and how if you doubt science right now, you're supposed to take science back, even though science broke your heart. You're supposed to take it back and listen and trust it. So I'll, I'll tie these things together in a way that only I can do. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. And there is a sensational sale happening over at Cherry Hill Volvo this month. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy Volvo for less than $29,000? It's an incredible opportunity to experience luxury for less. These are courtesy S60s with less than 5,000 miles on them. They are selling right now for less than $29,000. And there are a limited number available, so don't wait on this one. Right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They are open, they have ample inventory, and they are ready to meet you today. So why not start the year off with a luxury vehicle that you deserve? A Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available to you. So hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo to get a courtesy S60 Volvo for less than $29,000. Or... Maybe with this bad weather, it reminds you you'd like to have a nice SUV. Now, I should mention Volvos are all-wheel drive, which is great, especially in the inclement weather. But if you want an SUV, the XC40 that I drive, the XC90 that Bridget drives, takes the kids around, super safe and sound. These are beautiful cars, reliable, and will get you and your family there safely. Either way, at Cherry Hill Volvo, they'll take great care of you because at Cherry Hill Volvo, relationships matter. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. No, 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 no. This is not an appropriate song. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Even though I was on Fox News this morning. Seven. I still like radio is my love. And I'll tell you the reason why. So you go to the studio and, uh, you know, you get your makeup and you do your hair. And they put you in the chair, they put the earpiece in, you know, all the whole thing. And that entire process takes like 40 minutes, you know, and the segment lasts for two and a half minutes. So you can't freewheel, you can't freeform, you can't go on tangents like I always do. I can't start with the World Economic Forum and wind up with Botox and then go back to the California lab and then wind up going back to my Fox News interview because my mind... I have the attention span of a gnat. Yeah, it's, it's all focused and scripted and everything has to be done according to time. You know what I mean? That's why my joke today about Dana, please don't call them homeless. You have to say the unhoused. I didn't have time to develop that. You know, there's a whole bit there with that, but you don't have time for that because the segment is like two minutes. You understand what I'm saying? You need more time in front of the camera or the microphone well i do need more time for the camera that's true but this is the same reason why rush limbaugh loved radio and always said he didn't want he, he didn't want a tv show he loved radio more because it's more freewheeling and it's not scripted and you can go on tangents and it de just depends on where your mind goes like i'm sure a saturday night when, when jimmy Fallon's got his saturday night show i'm sure it's different than uh, the these condensed shows are but i mean these segments are for some of them by the way when you get asked to come on you have to actually even let them know your thoughts ahead of time because it, you know, it's so tightly wrapped. But radio, four hours, I can go in a million different directions. For example, I keep talking about this California lab where they had all these bad viruses and everything like that. But the whole point is we're always told 
by the people at the WEF, the World Economic Forum, the Bond villains, we have to trust the science. And that at Davos, where all of the elites hang out, they keep telling us over and over again that we need to trust the science. The participants frequently describe science as something approaching a catechism. The speakers at Davos are broadly concerned about declining trust in scientific institutions and express hope that scientists would train themselves to become better communicators of what is and is not scientific truth. One of the panelists, Carlos Alfonso Nobre, a researcher at the University of Sao Paulo, was positively apoplectic about the phenomenon of populist backlash against expertise and elitism around the world. I actually have the clip. I'll play it in a little bit. But he said, why is populism increasing? I don't understand. They're all anti-science. Why in democracies are we electing anti-science politicians? Another, another panelist said, when did expert become a dirty word? In the last 10 to 20 years, there's been a deliberate attempt to inflame the public against experts. We definitely saw this during the COVID-19 pandemic. At no point during the hour-long discussion did any of the panel experts ever explore the idea that perhaps, perhaps, some of the backlash against science stem from pandemic-era policy mistakes made by government at the behest of scientists. The people that said, I am science. I remember when Dr. Anthony Fauci, Asanto Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, came out and said, when you attack me, you are attacking science. He declared himself to be science. And so whether it was masks, lockdowns, school closures, vaccines, all of it, they were all they were all lying to us about everything. And then if you disagree with any of it, you were accused of spreading misinformation. You were barred from speaking on social media. And in many cases, you were told you were racist. Like, for example, if you said COVID-19 came from a lab, that was labeled a racist conspiracy theory. The only thing you were allowed to say to not be a racist was that Chinese people have filthy eating habits. And they go to wet markets and eat raw bat. That was not considered racist. But if you said that the virus came from a lab, that was. Now, in the world of racism, I still can't understand that. Because I would think, from my perspective, if I were a Chinese person, as in being from China, if I lived in Wuhan, and I heard somebody stereotype me as eating raw bat, I'd be like, dude, that's racist. But then be like, no, 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 I'm defending you. You are? Yes, I'm defending you. From the racist idea that scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology somehow let the virus leak out of the lab. So wait, 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 wait. You're defending me from that allegation by telling everybody that I eat freaking raw bat? Like, that sounds worse. I don't know. It just sounds worse to me. But, but in the world of, of, of science, we were told that that was not racist. So you, you, you'd say that. you go, well, this guy went to the Wuhan wet market ordered a, a, a bat burger, an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin fries and a raccoon dog aioli. And these people have the filthiest, most disgusting eating habits. And that's how COVID started. And that's not racist. But if you say the virus came out of the lab, that's racist. You go, what, huh? How, I, don't, I, I would much rather be labeled as somebody who doesn't eat disgusting undercooked bat. Somehow I would think that it's the opposite of that. But anyway, I digress. The point is that 
the anti-science backlash is not a backlash against the obvious truth that the consensus on scientific questions has evolved over the course of the pandemic. The problem is that science declares something and then doesn't let you debate it. It shuts it down and tells you just and they're doing it again on climate change. So they're at Davos now and the Bond villains at the WEF are all doing this about climate change. John Kerry yesterday came out and said, there's no debate. You can't have debate on climate change. It's over now. And so when all these experts and all the Bond villains at the WEF sit around in Davos and talk about this, they go, we need to do more to crack down on misinformation and disinformation. What they mean is they need to do more to crack down on your ability to debate them on their scientific consensus. Because when people come out and criticize the science, what, what, what actually is happening is you're, you're criticizing the global elites who have decided for you what the science is. And once that happens, there can be no debate. This is why I'm, I'm anti-bans. This is why I, 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 I tell people all the time, resist the ban. Like when people cheered the ban on trans fats, I said, please don't. Trans fats may be bad for your heart, but let me have the choice because they make donuts delicious. But more importantly, stop empowering the government to decide for us. Stop empowering bureaucrats to make decisions because someday it's today it's trans fats, tomorrow it's Skittles, and then it's going to be beef. Because when we get back, I'll play you a clip from one of the global elite Bond villains at the WEF who's now talking about how we have to eat less meat because agriculture is one of the biggest contributors to climate change. This is the bug crowd. This is the pro-bug crowd. You know, chomp on on chocolate-covered grasshoppers, kids, and not the cookie kind, the real kind, the delicious, crunchy kind, which they're not serving at the WEF, by the way. They're serving, like, lobster and, and, you know, and filet mignon and stuff like that, but that's what hypocrites do. They fly in private jets, and then they eat filet mignon and lobster while they lament about the eco-side of the fish. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Big hour number two straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.